Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing Protection Magic, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, Monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Uma Silby, and she has written a book called The Power of Crystal Healing. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So, how do rocks heal people? Well, the important thing to know about that is it's not the rock or the crystal itself that's doing the healing. It's merely a tool to assist healing to happen. Um, You know, you can, I go through this in all my books, but you can use the crystal to help you focus one pointedly because it takes that in order to do the healing work. Um, They do vibrate a very high consistent rate of vibration. So you pair that with the body, which raises it vibrationally. Um, You can use the color qualities of the stone. So the color in relationship to the body is making changes. It all happens vibrationally, but it's a combination between your focused intention and the stone itself. Interesting. Um, How was this discovered originally? Like who discovered that these crystals vibrate at certain frequencies and can harmonize with parts of the body? Well, it's old, 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 ancient information. Um, Just about every ancient culture in the world used crystals or stones in one way or the other. Um, I started teaching and working with it. Well, I've been working with stones my whole life, but I started really teaching it in the late 70s. And there was a whole renaissance of uh, work with crystals and stones. There were a handful of us who helped get it going. And since then, you know, so many people are into it. But it's ancient, ancient information. Interesting. So so how did they discover it? Did they just get feelings from that was it an intuitive thing you mean how did i discover this well how like like the ancient cultures how did they know to use it well i would have to you know not being there myself but i imagine (laughs) it would be the same way that i tended to if an ancient culture tended to be more tuned in with nature in general i mean more tuned into the earth and the earth energies Uh, Much of the spirituality and the information from those times had to do with the earth. So like ancient peoples were tuned into the plants and the trees and the animals, they are also tuned into stones. 
Now, when you're tuned into a stone vibrationally, then it will suggest itself or you will hear within you a way that you might possibly try to use it. And um, it, it developed from there. I mean, there is a certain uh, placebo effect. Um, in fact, when you work with a lot of Native American shamans, a lot of what they do to begin with is to prepare the, the one to receive the healing, to be open enough to receive the healing. So it's sort of suspend that rational, uh, ordinary mind and begin to enter the space of the expanded mind. Um, so the ancient people, that's what they did with the stones. Also, it's the expanded mind. It's not the, the rational mind, which in a way helps probably help them to be much more open to the energy of the stones in the first place. Hmm. Um, is crystal healing and the use of stones um, vibrating with the body. Is that the origin of jewelry? Is that where it came from? That is definitely uh, part of the origin, uh, how jewelry started. Uh, adornment was huge, of course. It always has been. Um, you know, it used to be that only the noblemen and the, you know, people of influence and power and money and resources were able to have the, that type of jewelry adornment. But the other way jewelry adornment started was just what you suggested to bring the power of stones into the body. For instance, if you wanted to work on the heart chakra in the middle of your chest, a 24 inch chain on most women will put that stone pendant uh, right on the heart chakra. So if you're working, say, with an emerald or a rose quartz, which tends to be used on heart chakra, you would wear a pendant at 24 inches, 27 inches for a bigger person or a man. You know, likewise, um, you can do a 15 or 16 inch pendant with a throat chakra stone, which would tend to be turquoise blue colored, turquoise being a stone that's used a lot for that. Um, each finger has a certain energy associated with it. So rings uh, also channeled energy in and out of the um, physical and the metaphysical body. So, yeah, you it's exactly right. They did, you know, you just can't hold these stones on the body forever. So wearing them works well. Interesting. Um, obviously, some of the most popular jewelry usually now for our society is our diamonds and gold. Do they have any healing property? Gold? Um, gold is a geez, it channels in that solar energy and the fire energy. So if you have anything going on with you that say depression, let's talk about an emotional issue. If you're depressed that energetically it tends to be very cool maybe gray in tone so if you shoot in if you bring in that fire tone or the solar tone that will tend to work to transform that depressive energy hmm. you know likewise silver is cooling Mm -hmm. But um, I tend to use a lot of gold. Now, gold also has traditionally been associated with more um, the royalty. So um, uh, 
Yeah, so you're working with that as well, but primarily you're working with the fire and the sun energy. Okay. And how about diamonds? Diamonds are wonderful. Um, both the traditional diamond and a stone called a Herkimer diamond, which is a stone only found in Herkimer County, New York. It's as clear and bright as a diamond, um, possibly more rare because diamonds tend to be stockpiled to keep their value up. But a diamond is an excellent stone for the crown chakra. And that opens you into the highest of consciousness. Um, and that is the middle of the head for women. For men, it's forward, the middle of the head forward about an inch or so. That's the crown chakra. Now, they're also amplifiers. So they can be combined with any stone um, to amplify the effect of that stone, either in jewelry or as you're working with the stone. So for instance, um, let's talk about the heart chakra again um, for love, compassion, empathy, qualities like that. Say if I put a green, maybe a green emerald on that heart chakra in the middle of the chest, and then I put a diamond on top of it, that will greatly amplify the effects of the green. Now it goes in two directions too. Say you have a, a diamond and which is clear and you want it to act as if it's say a blue stone. You could combine it with a sapphire or another blue stone and that Diamond will channel that blue energy. So it goes in two directions. Hmm. So you mentioned the, the chakras. Can you give my listeners like a quick overview of what the chakras are for those that might not be familiar? Okay. The chakras um, are subtle energy points in the body. Uh, they transform energy, they um, amplify certain energies, but each chakra is associated with a particular energy. Um, for instance, I'll start with the feet. The feet have chakras in the middle bottom of the feet, and that connects you with the earth. Um, I tend to put dark crystals on the base of the feet, on the bottoms of the feet, um, and also about two feet below the feet, if I have someone laying on their back, I would place a, a black crystal. Again, that connects you with the earth through the chakras in the middle bottom of, of your feet. Now, there's a chakra, uh, the color red, uh, around the base of your spine. That's your root chakra your first chakra, and that also connects you with earth energies. It gives you a sense of security in the world. Um, if you're feeling weak and unenergetic, if you put a stone on that first chakra and imagine that energy working its way up the spine and up through your body, that's one way you would um, work with that chakra. The next one up is orange. Uh, slightly over above your pubic bone, maybe about three, two, three inches below your navel point. That has to do with potency, um, sexuality, sensuality, um, manifesting, though, and that too is a fire color. So that'll bring that fire 
energy into the body. The third chakra is right around the navel. Some people put it slightly over the navel, others will go slightly below the navel. But I tend to use the navel point. That color is yellow, um, like the sun. And that has to do with your subtle and your physical nervous system. It's also a place where all of the subtle nerves in your subtle body, they join in that location, in that navel center. And that energy is transformed, it's balanced, sometimes transmuted. It's a very, very important chakra to be active. Um, the next one up is the heart center in the middle of your chest. The traditional yogic color associated with that is green. Um, some people like to use pink. I find that the pink might be more con uh, connected with maybe the emotional energies of the heart, the green a little more with the physical energies of the heart. But that, again, it also, it's not only to do with the physical heart, but also the emotions associated with the heart. And that's true of every chakra. It's connected to physical areas of your body and the associated mental, emotional bodies. So if you see, we're, we're going up in a rainbow. The next chakra is throat chakra, and that is in the center of your throat. The color there is turquoise. Um, that has to do with communication. Um, communication of your own inner truth, finding the ability of the words to speak your truth. It also has to do with physically any ailments of the throat and associated with the throat chakra. Next up is the middle of your forehead, uh, sometimes re referred to as the third eye, the Ajna chakra. And that is a royal blue color right in the center of your forehead between your two brows up a little bit. And that has to do with intuition, creative, uh, creativity, um, those other ways of knowing other than intellect. That's the third eye. Now, if you're working with headaches, issues with the head, you would also work with that third eye center. Um, I tend to use other stones associated with that, but the blue, the royal blue color, like sapphire is a good one to start there. The crown, which we've already spoken about, that's violet, the color of the crown chakra. And that is the very highest of consciousness, um, well beyond rationality. Now, um, you can also, there are chakras over the head. Um, several of them. So you can take a white or a clear crystal and place it about a foot over the top of the head. Now, again, someone's got to be laying down for you to do this. But that's sometimes referred to as your rainbow body. It's your subtle body of the various chakras or energy points. In the center of the palms, there are, we have an energy point in the center of each palm. These, um, when they're open, help you to do hands-on healing. For one thing, um, you can feel, you can physically feel subtle energy. 
The left side tends to draw in, the right side tends to send out. Um, these are the basic subtle energy points that influence your subtle body. What influences your subtle body will influence your physical body and vice versa. When we work with crystals and stones, even if we're laying stones on the physical body, we're working with the subtle body. Does this also apply to the aura? Yes, the aura is part of the subtle energy system. We have um, an aura maybe about six inches uh, from the top of the physical body. I work with this a lot in my crystal healing. Um, for instance, um, I may sweep the body from head to toe with, um, oh, either my right or left hand, the left. And sometimes I can feel the aura better with that one if I'm trying to gain information. Um, sometimes my right, but you sweep the body about six inches over the body. And that's the first subtle body. And if you have an illness or something, you'll feel changes in that body. Depression, you may feel a dip in it. Uh, fevers, you may feel like a, a, a mountain or a hill. Um, so you want to smooth all that, fill in, draw out, send in. Um, and again, I go into this in great detail in, in all of my books, uh, certainly this latest one. Now there's a body further out, you have a mental body and well, you have the astral body, which tends to be the emotional body. Uh, you have um, the psychic bodies, you have, they go out, 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 out. The healthier you are, the stronger and the, the more uh, substantial your aura will be in all of these bodies because they all relate to each other. They're just um, a finer vibration than our physical body. And it gets increasingly fine as you move out from the physical body into some of these other auras. Hmm. So how, when, when a person starts crystal healing, what is the best way to choose your stones that you're going to use? Like where do you purchase them? And are there some better places to get them? Or is it even better to go out and find them yourself in nature? Well, it's great to find them yourself, but it's not always possible. Um, if you go into a rock shop, a new age store, um, even if you're buying jewelry for the stones and you want to use them energetically, what you pay attention to is what draws you to it. Um, sometimes people say, what stone is speaking to you? What that means is what just attracts your attention. You know, that's the stone that's going to be the best one for you to use. Now, um, if you're not sure, I would say start with a clear quartz, start with an amethyst, because a clear quartz can be programmed to be act as if it's any color, sends and receives energy raises, lowers. There's a lot of things you could do with the clear quartz. Um, amethyst is good for any kind of healing whatsoever on any level. So that also is a very good one to start with. Rose quartz tends to be softening. 
uh, gentling, and it's a good heart chakra stone. That's excellent to have. Um, and we go from there. But say you don't have a rock shop around you or a new age store or anything like that, you can go on the internet and find them. You can go on to Etsy, eBay, or you can just Google in the name of the stone that you just want to find out about. But go ahead and buy one that just seems to draw you to it. Now, that being said, what you want to do, um, stones attract from ener energetically, they attract and store within them any influence. So if that stone has gone through the mail, it's been handled by a million people, um, you want to clear your stone always before you use your stones to begin with and before and after every healing section, you clear your stones that means you energetically wipe out every influence it has, except perhaps the influence of it being formed in the earth for eons. There's a certain earth energy element that, that you're probably not going to clear out and you wouldn't want to. But you can, uh, I go into many methods for this. Um, what I like to use is smudging, or I take some sage or sweet grass, even sandalwood incense, and you light it, <clears throat> blow it out till you just have smoke. And then you can fan or blow that smoke over your stones, either one at a time, or you can do a whole bunch. You can even do your body and the bodies of people you're working with in your rooms. It's a very great way to clear. How do you know when it's clear? you'll just get a feeling like, ah, it's kind of like the feeling um, if you go in a room and you see a crooked picture on the wall and it just bothers you. And as soon as you straighten it out, there's that feeling of, ah, that's the feeling you get when a stone is clear. Hmm. How about charging stones? Like I've heard different ways of like, you know, using moonlight, sunlight, burying them in the ground. Yes, all of those are methods to charge. When you charge a stone, you're causing it to vibrate with a certain energy that you want to in turn influence you or to use in your healing work with somebody else. Now, what do you charge it with? Whatever makes you feel good is going to make your stone feel good. That's the long and short of it. If you charge it with the sun, you're going to charge it with that life force energy, that that fire of the sun. So uh, likewise, the moon, you're going to channel it or charge it with the moon energy, that, that um, psychic intuition, that gentle and softness. It doesn't mean it's less power. It's differently powerful. It envelops um, where solar energy just charges into you. Earth, I've buried many a crystal in the earth and charged it with the earth itself. Um, I've buried them sometimes just for an hour, or I'll go to the beach and bury it in the sand. Just don't forget where you buried it. <laughs> I usually leave a little bit of the crystal showing. But when you want to use that earth element, bury it in the earth. It's one way to clear a stone, too. Um, I've buried them for, you know, um, geez, weeks at a time. 
depending on the stone. I had one stone, it was an irradiated um, yellow citrine. That's how they got that color. They used radiation. Now there's natural radiation. This was man-made. So I buried it in the earth. It was buried in the earth for, oh, I don't know, you know, a couple months easily until I, it felt good. And, you know, you can take it out and you can tune into it, you know, just sit with it, maybe holding it in your left hand, maybe hold it on your heart center, maybe hold it on your third eye or just the left hand and feel what it feels like. Now, anytime you're trying to discover what a stone is like energetically, pay attention to everything. Pay attention to the thoughts that come to your mind, to the feelings you have in your body. Um, don't dismiss anything. You know, you can say to yourself, oh, well, I just imagine that. Uh, what do you mean by imagination? Um, you know, it's uh, very powerful. And that may be information coming to your mind's eye. So you pay attention to everything when you charge. So how do you feel a stone's energy? Ah, well, I, I teach a method in my workshops and in the books of uh, the power of crystal healing, which my, was my latest. I tell people how to do this too, I believe. If you take your hands, you know, put your crystal down beside you and spend maybe three minutes just doing long, deep breathing as if the breath is going in and out of the heart chakra in the middle of your chest. Long, deep, gentle breath. And focus on that breath going in and out of your heart center. Your mind will become calm. Your body will become more grounded and you know, less scattered energy. And then when you feel collected in your center, that your energy is not scattered, that you're focused, then take your hands and rub them together. Just rub, 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 focusing on them one pointedly as much as you can. Do that until your hands are very warm and then open them and breathe very gently from the base of your palms to the tips of your fingers. Like a gentle breeze, this sensitizes your hands. Now, without dropping your attention, pick up your crystal and put the tip of it Touch the middle of your left palm. Hold the crystal in your right. Don't drop your attention. Now pull it up just a little. Maybe circle it in a clockwise position. Maybe it's only up about an eighth, quarter, half inch. And move it up and down. Move it in a circle until you can feel you feel like a little breeze or a tingle or a tension between the stone and your hand. And once you feel that, then experiment pulling the crystal apart from your hand, not losing that tingle or that buoyancy, that, that tension between the hand and the crystal. And with practice, you can pull that crystal way, way, way away from your hand and still feel it. If you lose the connection, put your stone down and start the process again. Focus and center yourself, rub your hands, pick up the stone, touch it to your left palm, holding it in your right, 
and feel it, pull it up and down, see if you can feel that. Now, this not only uh, enables you to feel the stone and but to feel all stones, but to be able to feel auras, feel, I can feel, you know, the wall across the room for me, you can feel everything, you can feel other people when these chakras are opened like that. Now, just doing your crystal work will help sensitize your palms in this way too. The more you do with focus, the more you'll be able to feel them. And again, if you feel something, you go, well, I only imagined I feel that. Thank your mind for sharing and keep doing the technique. Hmm. What is better? Um, natural cut stones or polished stones? And is there any difference? Hmm. Uh, depends how it's cut and polished. Um, I use both. I um, A cut and polished stone, if people that are doing the cutting and polishing are not aware of the flow of energy and they cut it, um, crossing that energy flow or breaking that energy flow, that crystal won't be very good to use. Um, there's too much interference. Sometimes when people carve the traditional crystal, you know, with the point and maybe either a point on the bottom or flat. And if they're not cognizant of the energy flow of the stone and they carve a stone like that, it'll be pretty perhaps, but it won't be very good to use. That said, I have polished crystals. I, I have a clear quartz polished crystal. It's a real one. It's not glass. It's not lab grown. It's an incredibly clear crystal that I've cut and polished or I had it done for me. I use that a lot. It's very strong. Now, a natural stone, um, like there are no real rules to this game, but if I had to choose one between them, I would choose a natural crystal because as opposed to a lab-grown quartz. You know, a lab-grown quartz may look very clear and pretty, but it doesn't have that earth element, that time that the crystal was in the earth. That crystal will be like the grandfather and your lab, one grown in the lab will be like the, the little child in terms of energy. It's just much stronger to have the earth energy. The natural crystal, the other thing about that with determining its strength, size is not as important as clarity. The more clear your stone and less opaque, the, generally speaking, the stronger it's going to be to work with. The more opaque ones generally are not as strong. Hmm. When using a stone for healing, can you completely drain it of energy and then it has to be recharged? Hmm, no, I've never had one be drained of energy. I've had it. The danger is when you're working with healing, you're pulling negativity out of the body and that negativity can enter that stone. And then you need to clear the stone. Um, so if that stone is filled with negative energy, and I don't mean that uh, in a pejorative sense, it's just um, uh, a way of talking about illness and uh, disharmony. 
if it's filled with that energy, um, it's not going to be able to be used as well um, for two things. One, you're going to pull that into yourself. Secondly, you're going to send that right back into someone you're working with and into the environment around you. When I do a healing session, I have a smudge pot going right next to me. I use a abalone shell and I have some, oh, cedar or sage. I use a lot of sage and I have that burning. So I have smoke. And so then I use that crystal to pull out negative energy from someone or send an energy cut through you know, all the ways I can work with that stone. And then I'll do that a bit and then I'll run it through the the smoke until it seems clear. And then I'll continue. If I don't have the smudge pot, what I do is I work with the stone and then I touch its tip to the earth and imagine all that negative energy going into the earth where mother earth transmutes it to positivity. And I do this over and over again. But I've never had one drain. I've had one get, you know, they can get clogged up, so to speak. Hmm. So when I quit smoking, um, I kind of did like the opposite. I, I tried to, I used uh, two polished hematite stones mm, and right. I would carry them with me. And whenever I started feeling negative or angry or wanted a cigarette, I would just squeeze them really tight in my hand and try to transfer my energy to these stones. Mm-hmm. And like after a year, like once I was past that, I was like I just chucked them to get rid of that energy. Yeah. Um, that was what, an excellent way to work. Yeah. Uh, hematite is very good for pulling out, you know, so that desire to smoke, um, you you just kept pulling that out into the stones. Now, you could have cleared the stones, although after a year, it would take an awful lot of clearing, (laughs) or you can do what you did, which is pass them on. You know, that was an excellent technique, by the way. I I use hematite for clearing quite often. Yeah, it worked really well. I mean, I quit smoking. The other thing with the hematite, too, was, was just the sound of having the two of them kind of banging together. Yeah. Created like a vibration in my body. Uh-huh. It was it was weird, but but it definitely I could feel it throughout my whole body. It's just two little stones just sort of clanking against each other. Yeah, when those stones are grinding against each other like that, you're you're charging them. Um and hematite, by the way, is a very good stone for psychic energy. I use it on the third eye sometimes. Uh you can also do if it's a nice shiny hematite, you can mm-hmm. also do gazing off of its surface. Uh, it's a wonderful stone. It can be a, a blood purifier. I mean, it's just a wonderful stone to use. I often use it too on the bottom of the feet to pull out negativity and to really attach to the earth uh, energies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned gazing. Um, mm-hmm. Do you ever use like um, crystal balls or anything like that? Oh, I use them all the time. I love crystal balls. I have, I have so many crystal balls. I have them in a pattern in my living spaces. I have big ones, you know, they're maybe a foot diameter. Some of them, some of them are eight inches. Um, and they're very clear and beautiful. So I use the crystal balls, um, 
I have them in a, a geometric formation around my living room and in my bedroom. And I use a clear crystal to uh, visualize an energetic stream of light connecting them all. That's how you amplify a pattern. Um, but I use them for gazing a lot. Um, sometimes I do a formal gazing session where I put it in front of me with a light either underneath or going into it and I'll darken the rest of the room so that it, it brings your focus right into the ball. It's Crystal balls are very easy to gaze into because energetically it's a spiral. You know, if you watch uh, water go down a drain, how it circles and then it goes, gazing into a crystal ball, you have a spiraling and it brings you, it pulls you into it, much like water goes down a, grain, a drain with that circular shape. But I use them for gazing in informal sessions, and I teach crystal ball gazing, actually. Or, uh, in, like I say, they're around my uh, living space, and I may be walking by and something just catches my attention. And then I look into that, that ball. Um, crystal ball gazing, uh, there, by the way, there is a, there are a lot of ways to gaze, um, basically with one pointed attention and, and that will help you develop it too, but you find something within the sphere that interests you. That's why it's easier to gaze into a crystal ball with veils and inclusions and, you know, they look like cracks and mm -hmm. veils and wisps, you know. Yeah. So you can find something interesting and then you just look at it in more detail, more detail, more detail until you feel your eyes may even close and you feel like you're inside the crystal ball. Um, if you're totally one-pointed fo one focused, that crystal ball is all around you. You are, metaphysically speaking, inside the crystal ball. And then how do we see? There's many ways to see. So, uh, some people actually see an image in the ball. Some people just get sensations, bodily sensations, thoughts, feelings you know you pay pay attention to everything you can invite other beings into the ball with you say you have someone you'd like to communicate with or you or you want to work with the spiritual teacher you invite once you're inside the sphere you can invite someone in with you usually you should have permission on one level or another but you invite them in and you can have conversations um, non-verbally, usually, um, and ask what you want, you know. And then once you thank them for sharing, which you should always do and being there with you, you see them back out of the crystal ball until they're just a little speck and then they're, they're vanished. Now, when you go out of a crystal ball, you imagine yourself backing up, backing up until you see the crystal ball in front of you. And then your eyes may be closed still and then become aware of the chair beneath you if you're sitting or if you're standing the floor beneath your feet. You really get yourself grounded back into your physical environment.
And I always tell people, don't jump into the car and drive away right away. You may want to eat something or drink some water too, just to get grounded again. Right. Uh, one of the things you kind of described too is like, like, it sounds like you have a lot of crystals around your house. Oh, I um, do. Can, can these crystals sort of be used as like a feng shui? Well, yeah. Um, you know, I do have them in patterns around the house and I have one right opposite my entry door. I have a crystal there, like almost like you would place a mirror there. But you can use crystals much the same way. You can even put them outside too. You can surround your the four corners of your house with a crystal, perhaps. Or, um, geez, I put them in my gardens with the plants. Um, but the important thing, as in feng shui, is the pattern. You know, now you may do traditional feng shui patterns using a crystal in each point. Or different ones may suggest themselves to you, but yeah, they're they're very good for that. Hmm. So they can kind of direct the energy around, or the flow of energy around your living space. Yes, make it more, absolutely. More comfortable, more calming, more healing. Yes, exactly. And color is important too. Um, I my crystal balls primarily are all clear. Although I do have an amethyst and a rose quartz. Uh, actually, I have a shungite one uh, right by my computer. It's very good with uh, EMF rays, keeping them away from you. Um, but you can work with color. You know, maybe you want a healing environment and you're using your feng shui for, for healing for yourself. Use amethyst crystals or crystal balls, either one. Hmm. Um, in mid, what do you what is your opinion of the crystal skulls? Do you believe that they're they, I, they're real and they have certain powers? And when the thirteen mm, of them are brought together, something's going to happen. I tend not to use crystal skulls. It's not an image that draws me to it. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, um, I have gazed into the eyes of a crystal skull and that was quite revealing um some people feel very drawn to the skull energy um transformation you know um some of not all of them are, are as old as they are purported to be you have to be careful about that um and what you expect to happen will tend to happen. I mean, not only with crystals and crystal skulls in the entire crystal world, but life in general. Um, I know I, I have some advanced degrees in psychology. And one thing we did was do experiments with expectancy. And what people expected to happen generally did. So if you are working with crystal skulls and that energy speaks to you and you have learned to put 13 of them together for a certain effect, that will tend to happen for you. For someone that's not really drawn to their energy, that probably won't happen for them. That makes sense because intention. Yeah. It's intention. Yeah. Um, that is what's behind all work with crystals and stones is focused intention and what you're doing is is building that one-pointed focus and building the strength of your intention 
And that's true in life in general. I mean, this, what you learn with your crystal working translates to everyday life. You know, anything you attempt with one pointed intention will tend to happen, at least better than it would with no one pointed attention, you know. (laughs) Is that why people will choose different, like the pointedness of of the stone? You know, sometimes like there's like um, the, the double um terminated yeah. terminated and then there's the single ones um does the single ones direct intention to a specific place and does the double one create a flow yeah um if i am going to direct my focused intention in one direction i use a single terminated crystal one point Because the way the growth of the crystal is from the bottom to the top, and that pattern as it grows, that lattice, tends to spiral from the bottom to the out the tip. That's the natural energy flow. So if you are working with one-pointed intention, you point that crystal and you focus on it with one-pointed intention, and then what you are envisioning flowing from that crystal to a certain point, whether it's color or sound or an idea, you know, whatever. Um, The more you focus on that tip at that crystal as you point it, the better it's going to be. Now, if it's double terminated, energy, you have, you know, point on each end, you have an energy flow in two directions. Now, you can use one pointed intention to send energy in one direction. It can be done. It takes more focus because that's not the natural flow. I tend to use a double terminated for amplification. For instance, um, they're great to place on the chakras, particularly if you want an entire area um, affected rather than you just want to send energy from the feet to the head or uh, you want more grounding so you're going to send energy down into the feet you would use a single point but a double point tends to affect an entire area also when I'm working with my single terminated clear crystal I hold a double terminated in my left hand to pull in information to to amplify what I'm doing with the right. Two crystals are connected and you make sure with your focus to to visualize their connection. So you're using the two crystals, a double terminated and a single terminated. For a beginner who's just starting out with using crystals, what crystals would you recommend them to start out with? Ah, well... Um, like I was saying earlier, start with the clear quartz crystal because, and I talk about clear quartz crystals all through my book um, because they're the workhorses of the crystal world. You can use them to move energy, right? You can program them with color and thought and sound, any influence you can imagine. You can program a clear crystal. Um, clear, by the way, it, it's clear and you can see it as, as a combination of all color. So it's very easy to program a clear crystal. 
um, they're natural amplifiers. So if I'm, you know, working with the chakra system in the body, or I want a particular color that I want to use, um, I can use a clear quartz. Say if I want to amplify the throat chakra, someone is having an issue with um, communication, say, you know, there's something they want to say to someone and they can't do it and they can't find the words and they're very frustrated. And now their throat's getting sore because they're stuffing it in, etc. I can put a clear crystal, small, not real heavy on the throat chakra. Um, I'll put maybe a double terminated clear crystal there. And then because the color of the throat chakra is turquoise, I will envision that clear crystal as being turquoise. One pointed intention, see that color going into the clear crystal. You can lock that in, by the way. Say you take that clear crystal and before you put it on the throat chakra, you envision that turquoise color going into it. And you can have a small, like say candle flame going and you can sweep that crystal through the flame and that locks in that color until you clear it. So those you know, and then I would place it on the third chakra in this case. But the clear crystal, you can do anything with a clear crystal. So you'd maybe you don't have the time or the energy or the ability to get, you know, 20, 30 stones of all the various colors you might want to use. You can use all clear or you can do it all with one clear crystal or two, one double terminated, one single terminated. So you can work with the two hands in the way I mentioned. The next one I would have is amethyst because that violet is good for any type of healing and it channels in a higher consciousness. Um, the ability to, to um, think isn't the right word, but to, to be aware beyond the uh, physical mind or the physical brain. It's that higher consciousness. And the more we can be in those spaces, the easier it is to know what it is that you can do with your crystals at any particular time. Then I always like rose quartz because of its heartfulness. And um, I use that a lot on the, the heart chakra. You may want to get a small emerald or a green crystal, a green jade, perhaps. You can combine with the rose quartz. Then um, the next crystals I get would be the ones for the chakras, a turquoise for the throat, um, maybe a lapis or sodalite, royal blue colored for the third eye, another amethyst for the top of the crown, and then, you know, you're going to want to ground into the earth. You're going to work, want to work, open those uh, lower chakras too, because it's like a tree. You know, if you, all you do is get tall branches, but you neglect the roots, that tree is going to fall over. So, you know, we all want to work with these upper chakras where you need to be, you need roots to be grounded into the earth. And then you can work higher, higher, higher into those upper chakras. So then I would use a yellow stone of some sort, yellow jade, yellow citrine, yellow calcite. Calcites tend to be softer in energy. Um, I use those on the navel point. You can get a yellow. An orange, get um, 
Oh, and orange aventuring, it's sometimes called red aventuring, but it's actually orange colored. Um, you can use orange amber, all that's traditionally more used with women than men. So um, an orange carnelian is good. That would be your second chakra, right? Above the pubic bone, maybe about three inches or so. The reds then get a red and you can use a red jasper or a red garnet or a you know, any red stone. Now, any stone, if it's more opaque, it's going to be more grounding. If it's more clear, it's going to be less grounding. So you pay attention to those qualities too, the degree of opaqueness. See what draws you to it. And then get a smoky quartz. Even before a black stone, get a smoky quartz because that's grounding. That can be more gently grounding, or you can use your focused intention to make it stronger. And then if I were going to get more stones, I would get four other amethysts um, single terminated. So I can surround the body in a healing aura. If you point the tips in, that's going to bring that healing energy into the body if you point them out, that will draw out, it, it provides healing energy and it will help draw out negativity. It will make you more expansive. It'll expand those auras around you. So those are the first ones I would get. But first, first, first is clear than amethyst. Interesting. Um, are there any crystals that can harm anybody? That could be harmful if they're not used properly? Well, it's, I don't think so. Um, if you choose a crystal that you're not really attracted to, but you think you should have and you're not really in harmony, it just won't work, you know, mm -hmm. or it'll, it'll work in a limited sort of way. For a crystal to be harmful, you would need to actively program that in into it and use it, which you wouldn't want to do that because it comes back and affects you many times over. Right. It's kind of self-governing that way. So I don't know that a crystal is harmful. Does it mean anything when you handle a crystal and get like a metallic taste in your mouth? Hmm. So I know that's sort of a common thing. Uh, some people have that happen. It, it may happen more with a hematite or a gold pyrite, something that's a little more magnetic, perhaps. Um, but I would say if you're getting a metallic taste in your mouth, what you're needing to do is to drink a lot of water. There's something blocked. There's toxins there. The more clear you are, the fresher your mouth is going to taste. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go off course a little bit. You know, in the beginning of the episode, I asked you about like the, the history and the origin of, of this crystal and healing technology. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that any of this could have originated from Atlantis because the, the rumor is that the Atlanteans used crystals for almost everything, for all types of high technology. Yes. And there also, the rumor is that certain crystals are planted into our earth to keep channeling those Atlantean energies. 
Um, some people are very, very attuned to that um, and actually use that energy. Same with Lemuria. There are stones that are planted in the earth with Lemurian energies. I would say if you're not attuned to that, you just won't find that in your stones or any other stone. But for those that are attuned to that energy, they will find those stones. You may only envision those stones. Some mm. of them are very, very large. Um, so I would say that is the rumor, the story. Um, but the ones that are going to use that energy are the people that are attuned to Lemuria or Atlantis. I can certainly imagine Atlanteans using crystals. Um, it works very well with the solar energy that they used, you know. Lemurians maybe use more of the moon energies. Um, but you can definitely, you can use a clear crystal and, well, take a clear crystal with the point, take two of them, one in each hand with the point single terminated with the point pointing up your arms. So it's um, channeling in energy. And then, you know, get, get in a meditative state, use that long, deep breathing I talked about, perhaps, and then tune into the Lemurian or the Atlantean energies. Maybe um, imagine what that would feel like. Um, focus on an idea or a something you've heard about it, but really let yourself be and not think with your rational mind, but let yourself be in that energy. Pull that into you and see what comes to you. See what messages come to you. Um, there are people that use that energy in their healing work. Are there any crystals or techniques that could be used to help people enhance their psychic abilities? Oh, well, yeah, that's a uh, third eye. Um, you can first surround yourself with, in a pattern, uh, use four clear crystals or Herkimer diamonds. I was mentioning that's an incredibly beautiful crystal only from Herkimer County, New York. It's naturally double terminated. It's the most powerful of all of the clear stones. Um, surround, put one over the head, you know, do it laying down, one over the head about a foot, one beneath the feet about a foot, one on each side of your body about a foot. And then in between each one of those, put a an amethyst. So you've got four amethysts. And then between each amethyst and clear crystal, put a small royal blue stone. Uh, it's probably more affordable to use sodalite or lapis than blue sapphire, but they can all be used. That's an aura or an energy field you can create around yourself that will help channel in psychic energy. Now, once you've established that field and, and envision all of their energy connecting, maybe envision connecting them with a ring of light, so it's a, a, an enclosed aura, yeah? Mm -hmm. Then place a royal blue stone or a Herkimer diamond on the third eye point in the middle of your forehead. And then once that's there, 
and you're laying there relaxed in the middle of your aura with your palms up, by the way, arms down by your sides. If you want, you can put a Herkimer diamond in each hand or a royal blue stone. But then imagine as you breathe with long, deep, complete breaths, never, you know, no gasping, just long, deep breath, breathing in and out of the center of your forehead. You may find that your forehead tenses, your jaws tense, the back of your neck. If that happens, take a breath and let it go on the out breath. And then focus back to your third eye center with the sapphire or the Herkimer diamond breathing in and out. I would start with three minutes, seven, 11, and then you can do it as long as you like. If you get a headache, relax your, your face, the back of your neck, your jaw, and you have done enough of this practice for the time being. And when you remove the stones, remove them in the reverse order to which you laid them down. Take the one and the third eye off first, and then remove the ones from the hands, if you have them. Remove the blue stones, then the amethyst, then the clear. If you're working with this third eye energy and you keep getting tension in your head and your jaw, then also put um, some black onyx uh, or uh, smoky quartz on the bottoms of your feet or just below the bottoms of your feet for more grounding. Mm. And the more you are grounded, the more you're able to open this third eye center. That's an excellent exercise to do for this. I'll have to give that a try. Are there any particular stones that are good for protection? Ah, yes. Uh, black tourmaline, uh, all of your black stones, but black tourmalines are, are great. You can carry one with you. You can uh, surround your body with them. You know, always do head, toe, side to side, and then fill, fill it in if you like. Um, you can use the black um, stone combined with, you know, around the body or held in each hand. And then on your navel point, put a yellow stone, put a nice bright yellow stone, not a soft calcite, but maybe a nice yellow jade or yellow citrine. And then um, if you want to add to that, place the orange stone on the second chakra, a red stone at the base of the spine. And then while you're in that aura, surrounded by the black stones and the yellow on your navel point, which makes that, that nervous system really strong, um, you can envision that any negative energy that, that would come toward you would be deflected by the black stones. If you want, in between each black stone, you can also put a yellow stone. In my um, Power of Crystal Healing book, I actually have a crystal layout that is specifically for protection. You'll find it in there. It's much like just what I described. Hmm. Um, is, is there a difference between like protection and then reflecting energy? 
Well, when you deflect or reflect energy away, that negativity cannot enter you. So in that way, they're performing the same function. It's just, um, you know, when you have a shield, that's going to be protective and nothing can enter the shield. So it can stop the boundary or it can be deflected away. Either way, you want to work with it. I tend to work with deflecting it away sending it back from where it came. Now, that said, if someone specifically is sending me some negative energy and I've deflected it, or some people, if the, if that's happening, they'll wear a black stone or black and yellow stones. But if that's happening, rather than just send the energy back, which will harm them, I also send them um, a prayer for wisdom, you know, because it's not wise to act that way, you know, for wisdom and maybe healing for their heart. Is there any way to use crystals and say possibly herbal remedies or different types of um, sound type of healing altogether? Oh, yes. People combine history, uh, crystals with that all the time. I use crystals and sound. I, I make a lot of meditation music. I have, I don't know, something like 18 recordings out in the new age category now. Um, so I use a lot of crystals. They'll amplify the sound. They'll amplify the effects of the sound. So what I do is I will say, have people in a room and we'll surround ourselves in a crystal aura and then use that sound um, to amplify the healing effects of the crystal or have the crystals amplify the effects of the sound. And I may be using sound for meditation. I may be using it for specific healing. And that can be everything by I use a, this a Tibetan gong technique that just is incredibly powerful. I amplify that with the crystals. Or I can do maybe soft, synthesized, maybe piano tones that are very gentle and they work in a gentle way. And maybe I'll combine that with rose quartz and green stones, you know, herbs. Uh, it's fabulous to combine crystals and herbs. Uh, my gardens, I have crystals all over my gardens. I tend to grow more fruit than herbs because I live in a tropical place where fruits grow quite easily. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, crystals can be combined with anything to amplify their effects. Hmm. Um, can crystals be used um, for things like astral travel? Oh, yes. Uh, crystal ball gazing is an excellent way to work with the astral travel. I think in my, oh boy, my last book, Not This Power of Crystal Healing, I did one uh, before that. They're all on Amazon. But I um, talk about um, astral travel. And you can use a crystal ball or a crystal for a nice, big, clear gazing crystal. And you enter, imagine yourself entering into the crystal. And then you can imagine a, a, a hallway opening up in front of you. And imagine yourself advancing along that hallway. 
And as you do, the boundaries of your physical body lift and your spirit flows outward. And then you direct where you want to go just by uh, using the power of your focused intention. Now, sometimes in astral, and there are techniques to actually see your body lift off and on and on and on. But important thing to know about astral travel is you really don't go anywhere. Um, at our, our center, we're, we're space, you know, and I would say, who is it that's going to go anywhere? We're always here. And that's an important thing to realize with astral travel, when people are afraid, oh, I may get lost in these astral realms and so forth. All you have to do is be here and you're where you need to be then. That's but they're, they're very good to work with astral travel. Uh, Herkimer diamonds, people use those for astral travel all the time. They're very, very strong. Sometimes I wonder, like, where is here? <laughs> here is beyond the rational mind here is here and i think we all have a sense of it like we have all have a sense of our own existence you know i am you know um we all have a sense of here or hereness it's well beyond any ability to to verbalize or to rationalize but we all have a sense of it in fact, when we're working with our stones, the more here we are, the easier it is to work with the stones because it's from that center, that hereness, that pure beingness that our work happens. It's kind of profound, you know, because because is you, you know, a, a lot of people are always looking to go somewhere else. Yes. But when you focus on the here, the here is probably everywhere. Here is everywhere. And that's one great thing about working with crystals and stones. The more you the more you go beyond the rational mind, the more you do these techniques, the more ability to be just here and beyond the rational self and all these ways we have of defining ourselves and our world we just go beyond that and there is just pure beingness and it's from that center that our work flows effortlessly the more you can be here in the the eternal presence and present the the stronger your work will be and the less that you will feel like you're you are doing anything. And I can see how that directly correlates with crystals, because crystals are just they're very solid, they're very yeah. present, they're very still. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, I think a good representation of the present. Yes, because while they are solid or they appear to be solid and they are objects that are solidly here, if you, um, the more you work with them vibrationally, the more you experience everything as vibration. You feel it, you know it, you, you know, it, it, it's sort of the next level out from here-ness. I mean, even space, you know, you go into physics now, even space 
is just a vibratory field. It's not empty. So we're working with vibration. But hereness or beingness is well beyond even the vibrational field. And when you work with crystals and stones, the, the side benefit from this is you grow to be very comfortable with these states and you develop, if you're paying attention, you develop a knowingness about who you are and what the world is that's uh, well beyond what one might normally imagine. Hmm. That was pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to say anything after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we before we wrap this up, where is the uh -huh. best place place for my listeners to find you and find your books? Oh, I always forget about that. I'm a horrible self promoter. <laughs> All of my books are on Amazon. Um, the newest is The Power of Crystal Healing. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book with not only is the information deep, but the pictures are amazing. The photographs, it's an amazing book. Um, that's my newest, um, but they're all on there. My my music is on there. Um, I have a website, uh, umasilby.com and I'll spell that that's U-M like mother A-S like Sam I-L B like boy E-Y dot com umasilby.com if you google me there'll be all this stuff all over the web awesome. but um, that that's the easiest place to find me I'm you know all over the place <laughs> well, I, I will put a link to your website and I'll also oh, put a, a link to your Amazon page as well in the notes of this episode so my listeners can find you, reach out to you and buy some of your books. I know I have your Power of Crystal Healing book and it is uh, a fantastic book with great pictures. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say something about my web page. My idea with having a web page is not just to sell you product, although I make crystal and gemstone jewelry, so some of it is on there um, by popular request. But there's a lot of information on there. And that's my idea as a reason to have a web page is to provide information, and that's free. You know, I have a newsletter that... I'm very remiss about for this last year, but I do have it and you can get on a list. And I have blogs and I have writings and I have poetry, all sorts of things on there. All so right. enjoy it. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being, thank you so much for, for uh, taking the time to be on today. Oh, thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. Oh, me too. It was really great. Now, thank you again and hang on for one moment and I'm just going to play the outro. Okay.
link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life.